0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the genesis of startups, where we interview brilliant minds in entrepreneurship to explore what it's really like to start a business. Today, it is an honor to have Victoria Edgehill, social impact specialist, entrepreneur, and founder of Relivables, a responsible business management platform for businesses. Having worked across early-stage startups, large corporate and government organizations, as well as the non-for-profit sector, Victoria deeply understands the interdependence of all sectors in solving today's global issues and is passionate about helping businesses achieve success through their social impact and taking tangible actions. She is the founder of Ethical Fashion Label Citizen of the Planet, which was where the concept of Relivables was born. Welcome Victoria.
1: Thanks William, great to be here.
0: So can you tell us a bit about yourself and Relivables?
1: Yeah, so I'm the founder and CEO of Relivables, and really I'm an avid planet, people and animal lover. I've always been that ever since I was a tiny little girl. So I've either worked in roles or volunteered or done both, uh, focused on social and environmental issues. So, you know, I volunteered in homeless shelters and worked with homeless people. As a teenager, I was working with Indigenous women in detention centres, and I've got lots of memories of raising money for charities and environmental issues. So I've always been super involved and passionate about these kind of things. It's only been really like most of us in the last couple of years that I've become super passionate about what's going on in our environment and really understanding that environment and social issues are so interconnected and the types of communities that are really impacted on a social level are super impacted from a climate crisis perspective as well. So it's really evident to me how interconnected they are. And that's where a lot of the impetus came for starting Relievables and trying to improve the impact that we're having, both as individuals and businesses, on the environment and and the people in our planet.
0: Absolutely. What sort of social impact does Relivables help address?
1: Yeah, it's a great question because Relivables is a responsible business management platform. So I use mm. that term in terms of responsible business, but really social impact. We look at social impact, we look at environmental social governance, which is ESG, the framework that often investors look at when they're looking to invest in a company. Corporate social responsibility is also another term that sits under that umbrella and is really what is an action plan essentially that a business works across, so CSR. Social impact might be looking at making sure that your workers are paid appropriately, that the impact of your material and toxins that are you know being put into the water from dyes from fabric that if you're a fashion label those kind of things how that impacts the workers who are then using mm. water and making those clothes, all of those types of things, the factories that they work in. So social environmental issues, it could be around your workers and how you support them during crises like COVID. So those are the types of issues that we look at, but it's really very broad.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's about going through the whole business and looking through the supply chain and everything about the business to ensure that its impact is essentially compliant with these standards.
1: Exactly. So it sh- it could be how you're governing your business and the structures that you put in place, how you deal with your customers' data and its privacy which is a huge thing at the moment, how you support your workers, how you treat your suppliers and the community, the broader community that your products impact. So, you know, you pull natural resources out and then you treat them. What kind of impact is those resources having on the community in which you treat them? And then you sell them to customers. How are you actually selling to customers? How do you market to them? And what do you do with your products at the end of its life cycle? Mm -hmm. There's a whole momentum around product stewardship and businesses being responsible for not just the making of products, but actually at the end of of life, what do you actually do with them? And that's a huge movement that's growing at the moment around product stewardship. So it encompasses everything, really. So it's a huge topic.
0: Absolutely. That's really amazing. I mean, climate change has been headline news for years now. I think recently, for the last couple of years, there has been a huge push towards transparency, ensuring that your impact is positive and a greater responsibility that people have towards businesses nowadays more so than the past as someone who started a social responsible platform with like relivables do you find that the actual impact that businesses are making nowadays corresponds with the news that's out there so are businesses actually changing is what i'm trying to say
1: as in, do you, th- yeah, I mean, I think businesses are definitely more aware of their impact. I'm an avid, an advocate of businesses. I really believe in the power of business to solve problems. They're incredibly innovative and they create a lot of amazing things in the world. But I think. What we've not always focused on is the actual the impact or the negative impact that business has. And I think over these last you know decades or especially the last few years, consumers and investors and employees are all looking much more closely at how businesses are operating mm. and the negative impact that they're having and asking them to take responsibility for that. And they're expecting them to take more responsibility. You know, we look at customers, there's lots of reports out there now, but you know the latest stats that i've seen at least 74% of customers say that brands should be taking a stand on social and environmental issues and they shop and they they vote with their dollar with brands that are actually taking a stand and not just greenwashing, which is just saying that they're environmentally friendly when they're actually not doing the work, but Mm. they are being responsible, then, you know, there's a huge amount of customers that are are choosing those brands over ones that aren't. And then employees is a huge one as well. 66% of employees at least, are unsatisfied with the type of action that their companies are taking on major issues like climate change, like you're saying, or data privacy, or how they treat their workers. So if businesses these days want to attract and retain top talent, particularly the younger generations who are so passionate about this and are really wanting to live their values and their purpose, not just at home, but at work, then brands really need to take this on board.
0: Mm, Absolutely. So if I'm hearing you correctly, the whole idea is that taking a stance on responsibility as a business isn't something that's just purely discretionary and it's something that's nice to have, but rather consumers and investors are all looking towards businesses to take responsibility. And in the new future, if businesses and startups don't be aware of the sort of impact they're making around the world, then they'll just, I guess, fizzle out and won't survive, particularly with the new younger generation.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think now, certainly the last few years, you've seen a real competitive advantage for businesses who have jumped on board, but jumped on board authentically and have started going through certifications or accreditations like B Corp or some of those other ones which give businesses certification that they are committed to, being ethical and you know positive for the for the planet and for people and you've started seeing consumers and investors flock towards these types of brands. So even over the last two years since starting Relievables, I've seen a huge change in the way that businesses are talking about and wanting to be involved in it. Businesses that I thought never would jump on board are really taking it seriously. So Mm. people can start to see, investors can start to see particularly, there's a lot of research that's coming out at the moment, that businesses that are taking environmental and social impact seriously, are actually proven to have a longer-term viability and are much more profitable over the long term. So, we're starting to see that you can do good and do better by it. So, hmm. it's really exciting Exciting to see and, it, and it's being proven in the numbers.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So, what about for startups that may not necessarily be so obvious in terms of what sort of positive impact that they can make. So, for example, a software company, what can they do to ensure, you know, they have positive impact?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I get that question a lot because businesses think, well, I don't make a product. It's not about, you know, creating recycled content or that kind Mm. of thing. But really, it's about going through your business and looking at every piece of every activity that you do, and how you show up in that space and how you can be more responsible. So for a software company, it's about, well, data centres need energy to run off. So can you look at renewable energy to actually reduce your environmental footprint? You also manage a lot of people's data. What's your data privacy around that? Do you sell that data? Do you use it internally? Do customers who have their data with you or their information... Do they feel comfortable in the way in which you're using that? Every business purchases things, so you can have a responsible procurement policy. So looking at how you can perhaps support local communities or Indigenous communities through procurement companies that are out there. So Fujitsu is an amazing company who's got this target that I saw recently announced, had $1 million uh, spent in procurement with Indigenous organisations. Which is That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And so I think if more and more businesses do things like that, where everyone spends on you know coffee and tea and cups and all that kind of stuff, if you change those little pieces and go through your business systematically and start with the low-hanging fruit, it doesn't have to be huge. But if you start with those types of things first and then continue, it's a really Great way to progress. And then as you get further down the track, you can look at who do you bank with? When your employers use it, invest their superannuation, are they investing it with super funds that are actually investing ethically? Those kind of things. So there's a, a huge range of things that you can do and that you can encourage both your employees and the way that you do business, not just necessarily if you're making physical products.
0: Mm, Yes, I see your point. It's not just about whether your main business line is responsible, but everything about your business, as you mentioned, data privacy, the data center energy, and procurement, super banking, there is everything that you can look at that, that may not necessarily be the center stage of what your business is about, but things that you can do, just these little changes
1: exactly even how you manage and speak with customers and interact with them how you manage with suppliers you know there's that saying where it's it', it, it you can see the character of a person, not how they treat someone that is superior to them, but how they treat someone that's inferior. So with a business, how do you treat your suppliers? Do you pay them on time? You know, during COVID, there was a huge campaign asking fashion brands to pay up to their suppliers who are all in developing countries who have made all of these items and clothing that then now couldn't be sold because all of the businesses had been closed down. But these types of factory workers in developing countries don't have a safety net. So it's about how do you pay people that are actually valuable to your business, but might not be, you know, the customer? How do you treat those type of people? So it's really important to look upstream and downstream, I think, in these type of things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, Victoria, if you had one piece of advice that you wanted to give to future founders, what would it be?
1: I absolutely believe in working on yourself first, particularly if you're a sole founder like myself and you're bootstrapping so you don't have a a huge amount of people around you day to day. You definitely have advisors, but you need to really work on yourself. And by that, I mean who you are personally, you know, what are your pitfalls or your limiting beliefs or what's your values what is your personal purpose what do you love doing what's some of the programming that you've taken on that impacts how you show up as a person so I really believe in you need to work on yourself in order to be the best person in a business because how you do one thing is is really how you do everything it's there's no delineation really between personal and business person you're the same person you just show up slightly differently so it's really important I think especially when you are the business or the loudest voice in the business that you're coming to work every day and building a business that's the most positive and beneficial that you can so it's really about working on yourself constantly.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Because you as a founder is so connected with the startup you're going to create, it's so important that you work on yourself as a person, whether it be working on your values, your passions, because as you mentioned, how you do one thing comes across with everything that you do. Could you give an example with something that you had to work on before your business could improve?
1: Absolutely. There's so many things. One thing that I definitely needed to work on was receiving feedback. Mm. I'm really bad at receiving feedback when I was working with other businesses. And I remember many of my managers, actually one in particular, would give me feedback. And one of the principles that he had in the business was that everybody gave everybody else feedback in the business. It doesn't matter who you were, because it's really important to be able to give and receive feedback. And so I was really bad at at receiving it. And I would get defensive and focus on the negatives and be really down on myself. And when you're defensive and you can't receive feedback, you can't be the best employee that you can be. You can't be the best manager. You can't lead people in the best way. You can't be a great business owner or, or a supplier, or you can't be... great partner in your relationship or a family member if you can't receive feedback. So that was one thing that I really had to kind of work through. And this is what I mean about working on yourself. It's it's not about just one day going, okay, now I'm going to be good at, at receiving feedback. I needed to delve into why this was happening. So for many people working out, well, why can't I receive feedback? It might be about getting in trouble a lot when you were younger for making mistakes and not wanting to be wrong. It might be not being supported enough or experiencing bullying or being teased or you didn't have enough examples of people that gave and received feedback so that you can model yourself off them. So these are the type of things when you look at Strength uh, weaknesses or things that you need to improve. Trying to understand, you know, what is the programming that has happened in your life, or what can I improve? So, for me, it was, you know, really going through a point of reflection, getting to know myself more, you know, having that space and time and quiet to work out where is this coming from. So, there be many ways that people may work this out. You could do journaling, or go through coursework, or book in with so many coaches and professionals that can actually help you unpack all these types of things, you know, different therapeutic modalities, then, you know, receiving feedback within your own network and just practicing and being a part of like-minded communities, I think is really important. So I've noticed when I've had a commitment to working on myself as, as well as the business, there's been a real progress in how I show up as myself, as a business owner, as a supplier to a potential customer. It's been an incredible journey and it's been one that I've needed to go on. And I think everyone does.
0: Mm, absolutely. hundred percent. I feel you with receiving feedback. I think everyone struggles with that at some point.
1: It's really vulnerable to sit there, but you know what, as a founder, you're constantly receiving feedback every day. And you, can, yep. you want to be able to hear the the bad so that you can improve. And now I really actually crave feedback. And and I say to a lot of people and customers, just tell me everything that's wrong with, me. <laughs> things wrong with it. And the quicker you tell me, the quicker I can fix it. And it's actually really one of my most favorite things now, which is amazing. So that's what I mean about being able to work on this through this process has actually turned it into a strength. And I think that that's just one example, but there's so many other examples where once you dig into it and work out, okay, well, why am I like this? You know, what are these limiting beliefs that I have that are making me show up like this? Once you deal with it, it can actually open up and expand so many more opportunities. So, yeah.
0: Definitely. Do you think that people should work on themselves as a founder before they start their company? Because what I mean by that is it almost could be quite paradoxical where people who are more aware of themselves will tend to see this and tend to get more stumped on whether they should start the business and how much they should improve, whereas people who are more ignorant may think that they are more perfect, if that makes sense.
1: Totally. It's one of those things that the more you know, the more you realise you know nothing, really. Yeah. <laughs> but I think... I think you know going back to even what Relievables is, is about no one's perfect no one ever will be so don't not start because you're not perfect just start and then it, and keep going one step at a time with things that you need to work on so it shouldn't stop you from starting it should just be something that you do in parallel and the more that you work on things your business will really benefit from it so absolutely shouldn't be something that you're afraid of doing just get in and start
0: mm absolutely it's not about being perfect but about continual progress
1: exactly yeah because none of us and this was another thing that I think around getting feedback and making mistakes was a real bugbear of mine. But the more I worked on myself and received feedback, I realized mistakes are fine. We make them every day. It's totally fine. Just quickly make a mistake, fail fast and move on. And it's okay because we, we make mistakes. We're human. Everyone is. We're never going to stop making mistakes. That's what
0: <laughs> Definitely. Something that's close to my heart and something that reminded me of it just when you were saying about you know, it's what receivables is about. The imperfect trying to make progress is that as someone who started their own social enterprise focusing on reducing the use of harmful materials is that oftentimes I get a lot of feedback from customers saying that my brand isn't 100% perfect. So our flagship products reduce the use of plastic by about 70%. There are people who rejoice in that saying that's an awesome improvement. Whereas There are people who have also said, why would you release an imperfect product? Mm. And I think this is something that's quite interesting, particularly having run a social enterprise for one year. It could be unique towards climate change is that people somewhat demand perfection in this industry.
1: Yeah, I I think in every industry, there's people that are purists and really demand perfection. I'm really of the opinion that you need to start and take tangible actions. And again, no one's going to be perfect and no one is perfect. And and business is exactly the same as a person. No business is ever going to be perfect. And if they say that they are, it's probably either, you know, a blind spot of theirs or it's not true. It's potentially nothing. (laughs) So I think the most important thing is to be showing and demonstrating tangible action, that you're actually moving forward, that you're not you're not sitting at 70% for the last 10 years when the rest of the industry has moved on, then there's probably an issue. But if you're constantly trying to improve and move forward and take genuine action and customers can see that, then I think that's really important. And most customers, I think, really do appreciate that.
0: Hmm, I get your point. And lastly, Victoria, what are some challenges that you faced as a founder and running Relivables?
1: Yeah, many challenges. I'm a sole founder that's bootstrapping, so time is always a really <laughs> issue. So I think I just need to keep, you know, we in these instances, we just need to keep getting great people around getting different voices in the room to make sure that you're not in an echo chamber and really trying to understand what is the most important and urgent thing to push the business forward at this point in time and let everything else go at that point in time and just focus on that that one thing. It's kind of the saying, someone told me ages ago, how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. So just forget about the rest of it. It's just one bite, keep doing that, do the next thing, the next thing, and look at what's urgent and important, not just being distracted with busy. So that's been a huge one. And being surrounded by mentors and people that think differently to you, the most valuable feedback I've gotten are from people that don't understand my industry but the advice could be applicable to the way that I'm going to show up and operate. So it's getting a really wide variety of advice. I think sometimes, you know, in today's society we're in echo chambers on social media and, and everything. We like to be surrounded by people that think the same way as us and sometimes mm-hmm. it's really frustrating to to hear people and just not understand where they're coming from but it makes you a a more rounded person and I think particularly as a business when you're developing and delivering a product and you're trying to be the most positive and best product and have the best impact in the world then you have to understand every person's perspective so that's been really important for us as well
0: absolutely I really love that well thank you so much for being a guest today Victoria
1: thank you thanks so much for having me Will
0: I hope the audience has found what you said today about taking smaller steps towards progress and work on yourself as a founder incredibly valuable. If you'd like to learn more about Victoria or about Reliveables, feel free to drop us a line on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Until next time.